Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and more. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products. And we believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you'll pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301-874-4900. If you press 5, you may even talk to Phil Yeager. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. Hello, everyone. This is Phil Jaeger, and I want to welcome you to another episode of CPA Review and More. And today, we're not going to be talking about CPA Review. We're going to be talking about more, and it's an interesting field we're going to be talking about. Some of you may be against it. Some of you may say, hey, it's the greatest thing that's going to happen. All right. We're going to talk about a gentleman who's a CPA who deals in the cannabis industry, which is really uh, marijuana. Okay. And this thing is becoming, actually, they've done studies. Marijuana is a very medicinal you know, drug, if you want to call it that. They give it to cancer patients, right? Let me introduce my Zachary Gordon. We'll call him Zach. Zach's a CPA, and he lives in the New York metropolitan area, all right? And if you don't know the New York you know, metropolitan area, we don't really care where he is, but he lives in Westchester. And I'm really excited to talk to him because I was born and raised in New York, Long Island, all right? And I always like to talk to New Yorkers. We are the friendliest people. Do you agree, Zach? Zach, are we I can't argue with that, that's for sure. Yeah, look at that. Smiles, he's happy. But anyway, uh, the cannabis is becoming interesting because I remember my brother, who's deceased, unfortunately, but he died of cancer, all right? When they were giving him all the chemo, he was smoking the marijuana to alleviate the nausea, all right? And marijuana is also used if you have muscle pains, correct? All right, so it's actually a very good drug. Now, here in Maryland, where I am, it's not legalized recreationally, but we do have medical marijuana, all right, that you can get, and we have stores. And uh, basically, you find a doctor who's willing to write the script, all right, and you'll apply, you get this medical marijuana card, uh, all right, and then you can go to the medical, mar medical marijuana store and get whatever you need. So. Anyway, we're going to talk about what Zach does with this, and let me just say that we are brought to you by, obviously, my company, Jaeger CPA Review, all right? The only course that teaches the blueprints, the tasks, the only course. If you don't follow the blueprints, you're not going to pass the exam, all 
All right, so keep that in mind. Now, Zach, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, hey, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. And uh, tell us, how did you get into uh, the cannabis uh, industry? How, what made you decide to not be a CPA and have clients in other areas? Well, it's actually a pretty unorthodox story, let's put it that way. I didn't have necessarily the traditional CPA career. Um, started in public accounting, uh, went to private equity. While I was in private equity, wound up uh, yeah, getting into the tech space, and long story short, wound up in a WeWork, and in the office next to mine was a retired Wall Street professional who was deploying capital into the cannabis space. So this is back 2016, where the industry looked a little bit different. So really, the big focus was on California and Colorado. And uh, he started sourcing deals. He was representing himself, family offices, high net worth individuals who were very interested in the space, but not limited like most financial institutions are, like most hedge funds, et cetera. So we hit it off and uh, you know, started helping him look at certain deals. And that was really my first foray into the space. Now, one of the things that's very interesting, and as a matter of, uh, you know, sort of self-preservation, for lack of a better term, uh, was speaking to the AICPA, the New York State Society, pretty much anyone I could think of to, uh, yeah, to really ask, am I okay here? Can I sign a tax return? Can I actually participate in this industry and not put my license at risk? And at that point, I got a very resounding, we don't know. <laughs> so. Uh, at that point, uh, I, I helped to form the Canvas Committee for the New York State Society of CPAs, which was really one of the first of its kind across the country, just an area where professionals who had experience in the industry or who wanted to learn from that experience could really come together, uh, learn from each other, and, and help to advise where we could, uh, uh, including uh, at, at the, the state level where, you know, as we know, New York's coming a long, long way, it's slowly as it does, but it's it's moving forward. Um, so yeah, so that was really my first foray, and I've been in the industry ever since. So I do work in other industries, uh, uh, crypto, tech, real estate, uh, auto, et cetera, but uh, it's certainly the, the most interesting, you are, for sure. You're in cryptocurrency also? You do cryptocurrency? And you say crypto, what do you mean by that? Yes. Cryptocurrency, NFTs, uh, so dealing with uh, individuals who've invested heavily in the space and the tax consequences there, dealing with the ancillary, so the technologies and sort of the surrounding areas of the cryptocurrency space, as well as uh, uh, quite a few funds who've deployed significant capital into the space. So if I came to you, uh, if I did cryptocurrency, what percentage of your practice is dealing in cryptocurrency? Well, that's one that's it's growing. But it's, between that and cannabis, those are the two fastest growing areas. So percentage-wise, it's still relatively small compared to you know, cannabis, which I've been in much longer, but it's growing significantly, as the general market is as well. And uh, let me make sure I understand that the only states where they've legalized it Colorado, right? And California, what other states have they legalized it? So, so legalized is a very interesting term. 
So, so you could be decriminalized, you could be legal for uh, medical usage, or you can be full adult use, which is anyone 21 and over is, is, is able to, to purchase. So at last count, there were, was it 37 states that have some level of legalization, so whether medical on up. Uh, there are, uh, where are we at, what, 10 states? Uh, I think it's 10 states now that are, as we're recording this anyway, that are fully and growing. So it's, uh, it's ever expanding, let's put it that way. Not a lot of religious groups that uh, are against this whole thing of legalization of marijuana. Are you dealing with any of those groups? So I think that's where it's, it's also an interesting conversation where uh, the pros and cons groups that are either for or against, I wouldn't necessarily limit it to one specific group because it's, it's, not, it's not one generation, it's not one age group, it's not one religious group. It's, uh, it's really dealing with decades and decades of stereotypes and uh, you know, the imagery that's out there, you know, the the, the reefer madness that's just been so prevalent for a long time. So in that regard, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that do need to be dealt with. And it's something significant for a professional. You know, one of the big questions that comes up as a CPA is that reputational risk. So you know, we all have our portfolios of clients. What are they gonna think if I take on a cannabis client? Uh, what is my insurance company gonna think? You know, how is it gonna affect my policy and my coverage if I take on a cannabis client? These are some pretty serious areas that we have to, to consider. Uh, Colorado is legalized for recreational and also, uh, I guess, medical. But does that mean that the federal government has not legalized marijuana, right? That's correct. So cannabis is still a Schedule One drug, and that means that it is federally illegal for all intents and purposes. Well, has any of the federal governments come in there and arrested people in Colorado? The, you know, even though the state of Colorado legalizes it? <laughs> so, so that's a pretty loaded conversation. So there has been issues that have come up. Now, uh, during the Obama administration, they had something called the Cole Memo, where uh, DOJ was not going to go in if there were businesses operating in a legal market. Now, the Cole Memo was rescinded of the, the Trump administration. Now, that being said, if you were a legal operating business in uh, a legal market, then the likelihood of the federal government coming in and arresting you is relatively low. Now, if you're not being compliant with your taxes or uh, yeah, your license status or any of a, a short list, then there's always the issue of uh, the federal government coming in, and your audit risk is significant. And what did Trump do? He went back to the position that it's illegal. Well, what was Trump's position versus Obama's position? Well, from a positional standpoint, technically, it didn't change. Uh, it's just that the, the memo was rescinded. Now, depending on the state, uh, you had the local representation of the DOJ, you know, different, you know, uh, the federal attorneys at, at the state level to, uh, it was their discretion whether they would actually pursue any sort of action against these uh, legally operating businesses. And that, that was a case-by-case -case basis. Wouldn't it be the Drug Enforcement Agency? Is that part of the, 
Department of Justice, or uh, who? I would think the DEA would come in on that. Well, now we're getting into some uh, specific issues. Now, uh, technically, as an enforcement arm, the answer is it depends. So DOJ would be you know, starting the action, and then you know theoretically it would go from there. But my understanding is that the DEA had different things to focus on and that it was really up to the DOJ, the IRS, various authorities to determine what the right action was. Yeah. So I'll give you a good example. Yeah, go ahead. So there was, um, so there was actually a chain based, I believe they were based out of Denver, where it, it made headlines because, oh, they had however many locations shut down. Who's and based out of Denver, the DEA? So what happened was they weren't in compliance with their licenses, so they were technically operating illegally. So while at one point they were fully fully licensed, you know, by the book, uh, you know, it it, uh, it turned out that they didn't stay fully compliant, and then that's when they ran into some pretty specific issues, and that's when they were shut down, and you know, all the uh, the fun that comes with that. But uh, if you're a legally operating business, if you've gone through, you've stayed compliant with your taxes, with the the filings, and one little detail that. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of operators can overlook, you still have to operate like a real business, like any other business out there. So payroll taxes have to be paid, you know, uh, any sort of estimated taxes depending on your corporate structure have to be made, et cetera, et cetera. So those little details can't be overlooked. So the stores uh, in, for example, Colorado, uh, I've been told that uh, the one of the things that you should not acquire or buy in a uh, in a store that's legalized, like in Colorado, is candy. Any candy, because they don't have an exact measurement, all right. And each piece of candy can be different, which means that potentially you could get really high on the candy. Okay, and what happens if you get high and have a car accident? All right, what would happen in a case like that? Do you, have you heard of any cases like that? So here's what's really interesting. Well, one that years ago, and this is going back pretty far, that was a major concern where you would have in a batch, let's just say it's 100 milligrams of THC, and it would all just in the mixing process be allocated to you know, one or two pieces out of the, the, whole, uh, the whole tray there. But uh, it's come a very long way. The processes have become exponentially better. So that's a significantly lower concern. The testing is much better. So in my mind, the concern for that is down significantly. The other thing that's interesting, the statistics, the data coming out show that uh, smoking is down at least 30% and uh, uh, driving while intoxicated because of cannabis. So in these markets that have uh, fully legal cannabis, uh, that's down as well. And there's been no statistical evidence that uh, a legal cannabis market leads to any sort of increase in driving under the influence of, of cannabis. What's so driving while high is, is what you're intimating. Yeah. What's the biggest selling item in those cannabis stores? Uh, do they have an item that people use the most? Is it still the cigarettes or something else? So uh, flour is always going to be... Uh, at least for, no, I shouldn't say always, because going forward, actually, the numbers are changing, but at least where we stand now, flour is typically the, the best seller. 
with sorry, did edibles you say flowers? coming. Flowers? Flower, the, the plant, the plant itself. Oh, the, oh, like a cake or something. No, no, so, no flower, flower as in. Flowers <laughs> you sniff. Oh, yeah, so the plant, the plant uh, itself. That get, how does cannabis get involved with flowers? I don't, I don't, is it dipped in that? No, so, so that's, that's a technical term. So uh, of buying an individual bus of, um, you know, if, if you're going to buy a, a gram, let's just say, you'd be buying a, a gram of the plant directly. So it's called flower. Oh, okay, okay. I'm thinking of uh, Mother's so, uh, Day, uh, you know, Valentine's Exactly. Just uh, a, where you give them a plant of marijuana, and you say, hey, you want to get high? Stiff the plant. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for clearing that up. No, of course, of course. But yeah, in in that regard, I think the uh, the skews, the products that are offered and sold, uh, are are changing, which is interesting as states open up. So there, depending on the market, there are restrictions on what you can sell, on the potency of items that are sold, and and it depends state by state, market by market. Which, from a compliance standpoint, makes this even more difficult on top of all the the federal and, and local issues that come up. The Denver market uh, was sort of the, their economy wasn't doing well. And then they were smart enough, and I, I really commend them, they were smart enough to legalize this. And that, that, that area is now, I don't have to tell you, it's booming. All right? No question. And they recently celebrated a billion dollars in tax revenue, which is pretty momentous, honestly. Like, that's a big number. Yeah, they, they like to take the money in, okay, the state and federal, but federal can always say, hey, we tax illegal items anyway, they're taxable income. But uh, I don't know if the federal government will really, you think federal government will change the rule and say, we legalize it also? Eventually. Now, what's going to be fun and interesting there is how do we define that? So what does legalizing even mean? Because you you could reschedule it, so instead of it being a Schedule One narcotic, which means it's it's a hard no across the board, you could Schedule Two, Schedule Five. There's all sorts of avenues it could go, and even beyond that, you could deschedule it. Now, some answers that are going to have to come in the future if you deschedule it. Whose problem does it become? Does the federal government completely back off? You know, they they collect a, a nominal tax on transactions and it becomes a state's issue, or is there some, whether the FDA or, or another federal organization that specifically governs it? That remains to be seen, and that's sort of the, uh, the devil you don't know. Now, there's a specific uh, code subsection, which is probably the, the, the most important couple of sentences in this whole industry, and that's IRC 280E. Now, basically, long story short, what that states is that a business that's operating within the cannabis, and it's not cannabis-specific, it's any Schedule One drug, um, that's operating cannot deduct any expenses. So there are no deductions. That means no deductions, no federal tax credits, et cetera. And that's well, gonna significant. Have taxable income, won't they? Oh, effective tax, tax rates are fun. Let's put it that way. And that's where tax planning structure becomes really, really important. Well, I, I, that's a, if I have a, uh, a cannabis store in Denver, um, yep. and uh, you know, I take in all this money, and 
I have absolutely no no deductions at all. I mean, can they they record depreciation expense on uh, their their uh, any of their equipment or anything? I mean, like they have. I assume maybe, have a, and you do get cost of goods sold. So so that's really one of the areas where. Uh, the devil's in the details as far as what your cost of goods sold allocation policy is uh, and, and just being very careful how you tread there, making sure your documentation is as clear and concise as it can be. Uh, we, we've had to deal with a lot of cleanup cases where, uh, how do I put this, groups were a little aggressive in what they considered cost of goods sold. And the IRS is not one, they're not going to be fooled. You know, they're, they're very wise to to what a lot of these businesses have done and are doing. And, and two, it's just for the sake of clarity, for the sake of being a bit more conservative and saving yourself a lot of issues, coming up with that policy and making sure that it's reasonable. If they can, they can deduct depreciation, right? Correct? It depends. It depends. What does it depend upon? Well, one, how aggressive you are, and two, uh, what you're depreciating. They must have display cases, don't they? Right. Okay. Uh, amongst the, right. It depends where you are in the vertical as well. So, and by vertical, I mean, whether you're a cultivator, whether you grow the plant, whether you're in that mid-tier, so a manufacturer, processor, so you're taking that raw plant and turning it into oils or another derivative of the plant, and then the retail side. Now, as the markets become more sophisticated, there are other subsections, but for simplicity, those are the main areas of the vertical. And if you're looking at retail, so if you're that the dispensary like you're discussing, realistically right now, the only thing that really should be considered cost of goods sold, and that's obviously as of right this second, and yeah, things change obviously, is really inventory. Everything else is just you know, in my mind, and again, I'm just speaking for myself, there's others out there who obviously have different opinions and this will evolve over time, but really everything else you just, for retail, it's not okay. I, I would not be uh, cowboy enough to, to go down that road. Uh, are generally accepted accounting principles, are they applicable to cannabis? But do you have your own generally accepted cannabis accounting rules? <laughs> uh, GAP still applies and What's interesting at the AICPA, we're actually trying to work on what uh, standardized financials look like, what, what standardized guidance is going to be. Because right now, because there's so many differences state by state, it's really tough to nail down what one good set of rules are. So when you're doing, uh, you're applying GAP to uh, the cannabis, it sounds to me like you're taking a chance, aren't you? Because as anybody said, that cannabis follows the same generally accepted accounting principles as though you opened a uh, supermarket or something? Not that I'm aware of. All right, so you go by gap, right? I mean, what is your greatest fear being in this business? You said, you know, people will look at you and say, oh, God, you're you're doing accounting for cannabis? All right. First of all, I bet they don't even, well, know, honestly, the word, I bet they don't even know what the word cannabis is. They probably think it's cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would take you up on that bet. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that honestly, well. this is one of the most popular topics everyone wants to discuss. Between this and crypto, it, it's really tough walking into a place and 
not walking out with having a couple of pretty long and interesting conversations um, on cannabis. Uh, and it's from a couple of different ways. A lot of people want to invest. A lot of people are just curious. What is this thing? What's going on? Is it legal? Um, how can I throw my money on it? Should I? Uh, should I invest in any of the the PTPs from up in Canada? You know, uh, there's a lot of different conversations to be had. But honestly, in my experience, it's been almost exclusively positive. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time.